Thanks, everybody. My name is John Scott, and I am an alcoholic. <laughs> Sober since December 19, 1982, and for that, I'm awful grateful, and so is a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a, sometimes you get to go places, and they're special places, and this is one of those special places. I, uh, I got to tell you about this clown here next to me. He's, <laughs> you guys picked the right guy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> he's coming off the airport, and, and uh, of course, Cindy was on the mission. You know, we had to get the luggage right now because it's not really right And, and <clears throat> <clears throat> she always reminds me of like one of them cartoon characters on a mission. You know, just and and uh, I, uh, you know, I was just kind of looking around. I thought, you know, I wonder if I can spot the drunk. And and. Uh, <laughs> And I didn't see anybody, and we kind of walked through the line. You guys have a pretty good-sized airport over there. And, and I walked through the line there, you know, and we started going down this escalator. And I looked over there, and I says, Bear? He says, Tim? Tim Bear? Yeah! You know, <laughs> we started, we just started it off right there. We started, talk, we started talking, and next thing I know, he dropped us off here in our room. You know, he's just like that. And uh, what a blast. I mean, what a deal, you know. You know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that I just absolutely love. And uh, I haven't hardly met any that I don't. It's amazing what, you know, it's amazing what we do when we get with each other. And just, you know, cut through the crap so fast, it seems like. And just all of a sudden you're just talking about things that, that probably don't matter, but we think they do, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I I just, I have just had a blast. And, and uh uh, I, I kind of a little bonus, my sponsor's here, and I don't get to see him a lot, so I'm tickled that he's here and, and uh, had, got the opportunity to have several meals with him so far. And, and uh, just uh, just one of those AA deals, just one of those many gifts that I would have I would have missed. Uh, left up to myself, I'd have missed it all, you know, because I know. I, I don't know if anybody out there has a secret weapon, but I have the secret weapon. And... and and it, uh, you know, it just works really, really well. The only thing is, is if I listen to it, I'll probably die. And that's it. But, uh, you know, I always love liars, cheats. I mean, that's, and, and if, uh, if uh, you know, an honest guy comes up to me and tells me the truth, I didn't like him. And, uh, well, you know, it hurts your feelings. You know, you don't, you don't hear the truth. I always wanted you to see how good of a guy I was. You know, it's like the book talks about judge me by my intentions, not my actions. My, act my actions said something totally different, you know. So I want to thank the committee for asking Cindy and I here. It's, a, it's, really, a, it's really a gift for the two of us to get to go someplace together. Um, you know, we just went out there and tried to destroy each other's life for about 13 years, and, and uh, now because we're in Alcoholics Anonymous, we, we get some of the, the good stuff. You know, and this is some. This is some of the good stuff. So I want to thank the committee for asking us. And uh, uh, what a blessing! What a blessing! I, uh, I want to thank Victor. Victor did a good job. Uh, felt like a week ago now. I feel like I've been here for a while. <laughs> and and uh, Paul, yeah, you know, the two of them guys are just powerhouse speakers. And and uh, and I, and uh, good, to, good to see my friend Sandy here. Sandy's going to come talk to her. We got a little conference we're putting on the uh, week after next. It's, called Beartooth Mountain Conference, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's out in the mountains. It's just beautiful, and Sandy's going to come explain it to us how it should be for us, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, excited. I'm excited to see her there. Uh, and I thought, I don't know about you guys, but I thought that Al-Anon speaker yesterday morning was just fantastic. <laughs> uh, don't forget, 
you owe me. No. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, Kurt last night, Kurt did an excellent job. I just and just enjoyed the heck. But however, Kurt's playing golf this morning. I have a, I have a Carl, Carl, excuse me, Carl. Well, he's playing golf. Who cares? <laughs> Obviously, he's not as sick as some of us. So. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to the, the uh, uh, June, the Al-Anon speakers following me. And, and uh, then I, I just met John this morning, and I'm looking forward to his, his talk. And uh, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I drink too much. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you blow by blow about what happened to me when I was out there drinking. I mean, I... I didn't, uh, I had so much fun for so long. I mean, I did. I just, why would you give it up? And there'd be people from time to time say, John, you're drinking too much. I thought, man, you don't, you just don't know. You don't know because, you know, when I was a little kid, I, I, I can remember, it's like I was walking down the street one day and these two older kids said, look at him. He, he walks funny. And, you know, I just, I would own that kind of stuff. And for the next 20 years, I just, I just kind of walked funny. I, could, I tried to walk right, but I knew I couldn't do it right. And, and I had a few drops of booze, and I learned how to walk like that. You know? I tried to dance with them girls, and I'd go up there and ask them to dance, and, and they'd just tear me apart. They'd say no. It took me two or three hours to finally get the courage to go ask them, and they'd say no. It's like, man. You know, I, and besides that, if I got to dancing, I, I, I danced like I walk. You know, so I, you know, and, and I find and I find myself up there have a few drinks of booze. I can just walk right up to them and ask them to dance. And if they say no, I just felt sorry for them. You know, it's, <laughs> just go grab another one. What the heck? You know, and and what was happening for me when I drank is I had courage, I had strength, I had power. I had, I was I was smart where before I was stupid. You know, and I could walk. I could do things that I couldn't do all myself and by myself. And people would say, you're drinking too much, John. And I'd go, get out of my face. You don't, you don't understand. And, uh, you know, especially if they live with you. I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> Cindy was always on me like a warp. You know, she just absolutely constantly just. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> if you would just call me. If, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this before. But if, if you would just call me. That way I would know where you're at. I did that once. Jeez. Hello, I'm at the Northern Hotel, and I'm with my friends, and we're having a good time. You know, I, uh, she left out some stuff yesterday. I, I just want to make sure. That, and she added some stuff that shouldn't be there. I, I always... I always enjoy it when I speak after her because I get a chance to straighten some of that stuff out. You know, that's, the truth of the matter is I hated people who knew more about my life than I did. And, uh, and that happened quite a little bit. You know, you wake up in the morning and you've got to go ask them about what you did last night, but you've got to ask them in such a way that they don't know that you don't know. You know? But she knew that I didn't know, and she would just, oh, she'd just turn the crank, you know, and just make it worse. I mean, it was like I was doing everything wrong. One that uh, uh, I'm in the farming and ranching business, and, and, and when we were in our throes of alcoholism, uh, there was some times that, that uh, there was this bank that had this party that asked me and my wife to go to the party, and, and 
This one banker had this really neat-looking wife, and me and her was dancing a lot. Cindy didn't want to dance with me because I was too drunk, you know. And, and so we went to dancing, and, and I don't remember much about it, but Cindy says, oh, yeah, you got out there and you danced with her, all right? You threw up against the wall. So she fell down, legs went up in the air. Says, and I looked over to that guy, and I says, how ridiculous. Look at him. He's just making a fool of himself. And the guy says, well, he just, he just loves to drink. And he was right, you know, but Cindy didn't buy that. She didn't like that kind of stuff. And she told you the story about how, how she would uh, tell me, you know, when the right time was for me to stop drinking. Never got it right in 13 years. <laughs> Always two or three too early or two or three too late, you know. And so she didn't, and she, you know, the thing about non-alcoholics, we were talking about this this morning at breakfast. Non-alcoholics don't understand. We think they do, but they don't. I mean, when I first got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I told my sponsor, I says, Richard, I just want to drink normally. He looked at me crazy. He says, John, drink normally. What are you talking about? Do you realize what normal people do when they drink? They have one or two a year that they really didn't want in the first place. <laughs> I used to... I used to have my wife, Cindy, you know, we'd go out and she, we'd, you know, my deal was two at a time and keep them coming. You know, that's the deal. You know, and I'd, I'd go to places who knew that. I mean, it took you two or three weeks to train some of those people, but they got it after a while. <laughs> <coughs> and, and I would walk into those bars and they'd, you know, they'd bring me mine and then they'd ask her what she'd want. And she'd always get some goofy drink, you know, with umbrellas in it. You know, you have eight or nine of them, you put out an eye or something if you don't watch it. And... <laughs> We'd sit there and we'd have these drinks, you know, and I'd drink my two, and she's still sitting there, and, and, you know, you can't see it, but it's just like full. And the ice is melting. And, I mean, she don't know how to do it. She doesn't know. And I keep working on it. I trained on her for years, and she just never got it. She, she'll sit there and she'll, and she'll do that. You know, she'll talk some more. And she'll, she'll I'm watching her drink, and she just kind of does this. You know, I like, drink it, you know. <laughs> The hell's wrong with you? She says, she's, no, she drinks like 1.5 drinks, and she says, I said, well, let's get another one. And I have to drink it because I'm embarrassed because, you know, it's time for me to order again two at a time. And so she finally gets, she gets another drink, and she sits there, and she'll, she'll sit there, and she'll, oh, I don't want anymore. I'm starting, I'm starting to feel it. And I kept telling her for years, I says, I don't know what it is that you're starting to feel, but you need to drink past that. Just get, just get past that a little bit. And because on the other side, on the other side is something that we all know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's just like, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad your day is. It doesn't matter how good your day is. It doesn't matter. If I have a few drinks, it's like, oh, man, you know, I should, I, I get weird just thinking about it. You know, it's, it's, it's like it's just that feeling that comes over and you just get so comfortable and you get to know. You get to, you get their secret weapon starts to work and it's right, you know, and you just, you, it's such an ease and comfort, like it talks about in the doctor's opinion, such an ease and comfort comes at once from taking a few drinks, drinks that we see others taking with impunity. Well, what I didn't know is the impunity part was they didn't drink. You know, they'd sit there and fool with their drinks, and I'd have to drink them, or they'd sit there and let the ice melt. Or they, you know, she likes this Kahlua and cream stuff, you know. And she'd buy, like, a, a little airplane bottle. Last a year, year and a half. I bet we got one around the house here someplace that she bought, you know. And she just loves it. 
That's not the way I drink. If I love it, a little bottle like that won't last me five seconds. I want a half gallon, you know. Give me a half gallon. We're going to, you know, it's not like I have to get seriously drinking, but I don't ever want to run out. You know, you always got to hide some someplace case, you know, your friends come over and you got, you got a case of beer. And your friends come over and you got to hide two of them because they're going to drink them all. You know they are. So you hide them, that kind of stuff. And she would never even think about that kind of stuff. So the kind of drinking that I'm talking about doing is not the kind of drinking that they out there talk about doing. And it took a while for me to get that through my head that what I was receiving from alcohol was not what other people receive from alcohol. I thought we all got the same stuff, but she don't get it. And I guarantee you every other Al-Anon in this room doesn't get it. Except there are a few people in Al-Anon from time to time that, you know, it's a 12-step program that you can still drink at, you know, so there's a few alkies that hang out in Al-Anon just for the fun of it. They're not, they usually ferret them out and get them pushed over here to, to our bunch, but I was, uh, I was, uh, got to a place where on December 18th, the day before I sobered up, I, I woke up in the basement, and you know how we wake up, just, just total fright. You know, because the first thing you got to do is figure out what you've been doing, you know, and that's always hard to do, especially if you can't remember. And so I'm figuring out what I've been doing, and it dawned on me that I've been gone for a while. You know, my deal was is I like to get drunk. And I'd stay drunk for as long as I could until I ran out of money or my body quit. And I would end up in somebody's house and some, you know, I, I could end up anywhere. I could end up in jail. You know, things, th one thing about us, it was always interesting to wake up because you never really knew. You didn't know. And so I can remember waking up on the 18th of December going, you know, what, what have I done? What's going on? You know, and this kind of stuff. And, and it finally come back to me a little bit. I've been on a runner. I've been drinking for quite a while. My life by this time was, drinking was no longer fun by this time. I mean, I'm, I'm just absolutely a zero. I can remember my, my, my all, all the things that I ever wanted to be, I was not. All the things that I just despised and hated, I was. And, and that's about the easiest way I can say it. The truth of the matter is I hated myself and I hated everybody around me. I could not stand it another day. What happened to me was nothing... And there's nothing spectacular to speak of in my story other than today is just a little worse than yesterday and tomorrow is going to be a little worse than today. And that's the way it is, day after day after day. I have, I have disappointed everybody that I know. I have hurt everybody that I love. There is nobody in this doggone earth that I felt comfortable trying to rip off again. I mean, it's like there's nothing left. And, and I find myself in the basement of this guy's house, and uh, he'd been doing what I'd been doing for quite some time, and I woke up that morning, and I told him, I says, you know, I've got to do something different. I have got to do something different. And he says, man, I am with you. And uh, so we went down to the feed store where this guy Frank worked. Now, Frank was a drinking buddy of mine. Frank was a feed salesman who'd come out to the ranch every once in a while and sell us some products and stuff, and Frank and I drank a lot together. Frank was a good drinking buddy. We would start early in the afternoon, and we would drink all night long. One night, we got in this argument, started along about 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening, and he said I was opinionated. He said I was opinionated, and I argued with him until the sun come up the next morning and proved him wrong, you know. <laughs> Lost my car that night, you know, that kind of stuff. I was, I was good about losing my pickup for my car, and anyway... Uh, we decided we was going to go see Frank because a few months earlier, six months about, Frank had come out to the ranch and, and he was out there and, and Cindy was gone. She, 
And Cindy was a black belt, Al-Anon. She was pre-Al-Anon at the time. She, you know, as as during one of those recession periods in town, and we had we had this ongoing battle. You know, she was trying to kill me, and I was trying to kill her for two years, three years, and. We had this little argument one night about her getting a job, and I laughed. I thought, man, you can't get a job. You're out of your stinking mind. There's no way in the world you can get a job. I'm, I'm with my advisors down at the keg bar. Keg bar is one of them places where everybody who's ever been a loser drinks. And, and I fit right in. I felt comfortable there. And I told Cindy, these are my friends, and she didn't, she didn't like that a bit. But anyway, I got to laughing about, about her getting this job because she uh, – all my advisors down at the keg bar said that there's, you know, they've been looking for work for years, and they hadn't found any. <laughs> I didn't realize that I was married to an Al-Anon. She went into town that day got three of them, <laughs> worked all three of them. And anyway, she was gone when Frank showed up that morning, and that, that was right, right about 11 o'clock or so. And I'd already been drinking, you know. I, I'd always get real nervous, so I'd have to drink a little bit to help me out. And I'd just kind of forget I wasn't nervous no more and just keep drinking. And, and I can remember Frank showed up that morning, and I said, Frank, uh, uh, have a drink. And Frank says, no, sir. He says, I don't believe I will. And so, you know, I, I'm a real obstinate, op, just if you don't want to drink with me and have some fun, then I'll just have some fun with you while I'm drinking type of a guy. And, 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 he, and I kept going, Frank, come on, have a drink. He says, no, not drinking today. Come on, Frank, have a drink. No, I'm not having a drink one day at a time. And I said, come on, Frank, have a drink. No, sir, I'm not going to have a drink. I said, what the hell the matter with you, Frank? He says, well, I'm, I'm going to those A&A meetings. I said, hey, hey, I didn't know much about AA. I thought what you did in AA was that you went and taught people like, well, worse than me, how to drink, you know. <laughs> And that you opened up the refrigerator and you, there's beer in there and they'd show you kind of how to socially drink. I kind of thought that. I didn't know much about drinking or alcoholism other than what I was doing. And, and so I can remember Frank talking about going to Alcoholics Anonymous. I says, my God, Frank, it's a little severe, ain't it? And <clears throat> I said, oh, he says, well, he says, I felt like I needed it. I said, well, hell, Frank, you drink just like I do. And he says, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I said, well, you know, Frank, I've been thinking about it. Maybe I ought to do something about my drinking. And it was getting along maybe about 6 o'clock or so that evening, and, and he's still there. You know, he's getting a little fidgety now, but he's still there. And, and I said, you know, Frank, maybe, maybe uh, I ought to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting with you. And he says, no, sir. I says, well, you know, I mean, you're going. Why can't I go? He says, because Alcoholics Anonymous is for people who want to quit drinking, and you're still drinking, obviously. He says, so I'm not going to take you to the meeting. Now, I've had people come up to me after the meeting and say, that's not right. Well, it may not be right, but that's what happened. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so anyway, I, uh, I, uh, you know, I can remember waking up that next morning thinking, oh, my God, this drinking's getting out of hand. I almost went to AA last night. You know? <laughs> so, So I continued to die for the next six months. I mean, just a day at a time. Nothing, nothing much changed. Just every day got worse. That's all. And so six months later, I'm, I'm leaving this guy's house with him, and we're looking for Frank because he's the only connection that I know of to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. 
And we go down the feed store, and Frank is tickled to see us. He, oh, man, he's just glad. I can remember that. I was the most excited I'd seen him in years, you know. And he says, good. He says, I'm so glad you guys are here. He says, I got these 20 questions. He says, I'm going to give you these 20 questions. And he says, he says, take a look at them and see if they apply. You know, and I mean, we're looking at this. And I'm cheating, you know. I, I'm cheating, man. I'm answering those things about as wrong as I can. And I look down at the bottom and says, if you've answered, what, three of them? I think it's two of it. You could be and three you are, you know. And I thought, man, I got like 19 of them, you know. <laughs> and, and it's like, uh, I didn't really need that thing. I knew I was in trouble. And, and, me, and this other guy, this guy I was with, he... he t- he flunked the test, too. Both of us flunked the test. So, I mean, we've been, we'd, like I said, I'd been on a runner there, and, and we had to stop by the grocery store on the way over to Frank's, and I'd, we got a case of, case of uh, beer, and we were sipping on this beer trying to kind of calm down a little bit. I was always really nervous in the mornings, and, and I'd, I remember, uh, you know, saying to Frank, you know, well, Frank, you know, we'd like to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, and you're the only guy I know who goes, and I'd like to know, you know, would you take us? And he says, no. I said, well, why not, Frank? He says, because Alcoholics is not Anonymous is for people who want to quit drinking, and you're drinking, obviously. He says, but I'll tell you what you do. He says, you, you drink all you want to today. He says, but tomorrow, when you get up in the morning, don't drink. And he says, I'll take you to a meeting tomorrow night if you don't drink. So I said, that sounded like a good deal to me because I wasn't really excited about quitting drinking, but I didn't know what else to do because I couldn't do it anymore. And so I, uh, we went over to the keg bar where my advisors were, and we sitting there. There's, there's five of us in there. There's the bartender, me, and this other guy that I was with, and two other guys. I mean, 8 o'clock in the morning, bars open in Billings. They close at 2. And uh, I, uh, I can remember having some drinks, and we, we passed around these 20 questions. <laughs> My secret weapon started to work because I began to know. That, I know things that aren't true and just love to believe them. And I knew what was happening. With a name like Alcoholics Anonymous, you guys are hurting. You've got to be hurting for membership because that name just doesn't pack it, you know. You've got to be hurting. And the truth of the matter is, is you guys are on a membership drive and you have developed this test that nobody, nobody can pass. And what you're going to do is when I get in there, when I get in there, you guys are going to have, you're going to have dues and you're going to have fees and you're going to pay, you're going to make me pay to be a member for the rest of my life, about, you know, $25, $40 a month, something like that. And uh, I, I just knew this stuff and they all agreed, you know, and that's, you know, and we, we, uh, but the thing is, is I was so goofy and so crazy that I had somehow in my mind decided that I was going to give it a try. Now, one of these jobs that Cindy was working at at the time, it was Christmas time, and they were going to have a party. And I had promised her, just like I had promised all different kinds of things with her, that I would not get drunk today because today is the day of the party. And I always make a of myself every chance I get. I don't hardly ever pass one up. And so I find myself... I find myself drinking about 6 or 7 o'clock. I've been there since, you know, 8.15. And I find myself drinking about 6 or 7 o'clock, and I call Cindy up, and I said, Cindy, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to go to your party because I'm just going to embarrass you. And she, oh, man, Cindy, by this time, it was like there was just, there wasn't any, it was like we got to a place of indifference. You know what I mean? We had passed hatred. It was like we got to a place where, we got to a place where she was trying to kill me. She, I would, I would, she was like a designated driver, and she'd drive me home. 
and when we get home, she'd turn off the car. I'd be in the back. I'd, I'd get tired. I'd have to get in the back and lay down. We had, we had to drive like 30 miles out in the country to where we lived, and it'd be like 25, 20 below, and she'd turn off the car, and she'd slip out and shut the door. And she'd slip into the house and lock it. You know, and then she, she'd just go to bed, and she just, you know, she always had pleasant dreams until the next morning when I'd be there to, you know, and I, you know, and uh, that kind of stuff, and, and uh, it's just, you know, she wasn't, we wasn't getting along. We were not buddies no more. I mean, we, at one time when, when I first met her, I just thought she hung the moon, and it was like that for many, many years, and then, then we got to drinking, and things just got crazy, just got crazy, insane crazy, and, and she wasn't happy about it, and she... Well, that's what I expect. Why would I expect anything else of you? You have lied to me every chance you get. This is just another one of those lies. I says, now, Cindy, I'm going to tell you something. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, good for you, click. You know? <laughs> and so, so uh, I drank the rest of that day. And, uh, I th- oh, man, you got to remember how much fun it was drinking. You know, I'm sitting in the bar in the booth over in the corner by myself crying because I'm over in the corner by myself, you know. And then you would come over and say, what's wrong? And then I'd want to fight you, you know. And then you'd run off because who wants to fool around with that? And then I'd be over in the corner crying because I was by myself. And that's, that, that, was, the, that was the fun I had the last day I was drinking. I don't, you know, it's, and sometimes you get to thinking, damn, I, I, you know, I, I left a lot on the table back there. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I find myself the next morning waking up, and, and I can remember... Frank calling that morning, and he's talking to Cindy, and says, don't let him drink, don't let him drink. And Cindy, Cindy, was, she, Cindy was always against me. She was always against my friends. And Frank would sit there and try to get her to help me not drink, and she told him, I, I can't really tell you what she said, but it wasn't, it was like, screw off, you know. And, and, and uh, uh, so anyway, that next, that next day, I went to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and I can remember we went over to a restaurant across the street first, Frank said he wanted me to meet this guy. It was his sponsor, and he says, uh, uh, "Come in a little bit early." So, I, I mean, I am just—I don't know if you, you guys know what it's like. I mean, you're coming off a drunk, and it's like you're sweating and you're shaking, and everything's just absolutely just—it's like everything's about ready to just go apart any second. And these guys are in this restaurant, and they're laughing and they're joking and they're saying, "Come on, let's get something to eat." They got these really nice little dinner steaks here, and you get one. Oh no, no, no. I don't want nothing to eat. And they, they said, no, no, you want it. So they ordered it. Then they ate it, ate my steak. I didn't care because I didn't want it. And this guy, this guy, uh, Richard, who is uh, Frank's sponsor, he says, John, he says, I'm going to ask you a question or two. And I said, he says, I want you to really answer it as best as you can. He says, first off, do you feel like you're responsible for your own actions? And I got to thinking because this is an elite group of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been trying to get into it for over six months, and I want to make sure I have the right answer. <laughs> And I, can, and I can remember thinking, you know, I think the answer is yes. And I can say, yes. He says, good. He says, now maybe you'll start acting like it. And I knew right then that Frank had been talking to Cindy, which he wasn't because she wouldn't talk to any of my friends. And, and they had been working. And it was a conspiracy. I don't know if you guys had conspiracies when you was out there drinking, but I, they was always close, you know. They was always, I had to carry a gun with me all the time because it was getting close. I went to the judge and I says, I got to get this permit to carry this gun because if I don't, they're going to rob me because they're right behind me. They're always there. You know, you look real fast and they'd be gone, but they was there, you know. And so I was, I, I was kind of nervous when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I can remember, I can remember just, just, just this intensity that was going on. And it was like, I mean, you, 
I don't know. It's just like you can't hardly breathe unless you have enough booze in you. And I can, uh, I can remember going to that meeting and, and, and asking, you know, Frank or uh, Richard asking those questions about, you know, did I feel like I was responsible? You know, how did I drink? How much did I drink? You know, and I, how much do you drink? Wow, you can't count the last three weeks. I was on a runner, you know. Usually I only have a couple, you know, a couple. I never drink a couple in my life, I don't think. But anyway, uh, most alcoholics drink a couple. And, and I, uh, I remember going to that first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I don't remember anything that was said hardly at all. I, I remember that there's another girl that was there that she was new that night, and I've never seen her since. And I also remember that there was something that happened. There was a spirit that was there. And that was, I, I felt like there might be a possibility that at least what these people were telling me was true for them. And, and I, I had a little twinge of hope. And I hadn't had no hope in a long time. I mean, I, I was laying on the bed with a gun stuck in my mouth for many, many nights trying to, trying to do the deal. And I couldn't do the deal. And I'd try to run trucks off the road, and I couldn't do I just... You know, I was, if I could ever figure it out how to kill myself without hurting, I'd have done it. You know, but I just couldn't quite get that done. And I remember them guys that first night. They said, "Would you rather live or die?" And I mean, you got an easy way out. I mean, I'm, and I wasn't being smart about it. I was really serious. I would, I would really prefer an easy way. I didn't want to work for what they. You know, they talked about this thing takes work, and I, I didn't know what they meant by work in AA. But I, work always kind of bothered me. You know, I mean, I. <laughs> I always try to get by with the very least. I mean, when I was in school, if there was somebody close that I could cheat off of, I did. You know, if there's, I always tried to take the easier, softer way. And uh, I found myself uh, in this meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous with a little bit of hope. And uh, the first night I was there, this name, guy by the name of Johnny, he says, I'm going to be your sponsor. He says, after this meeting tonight, you'll come home with me. And so I didn't know what a sponsor was. I didn't have any idea in the world. I was just, I just kind of followed him. And we took, he took me home. He talked to me about sobriety. He talked to me about Alcoholics Anonymous. He talked to me about the spiritual experience that we would have if we worked the steps and did the thing. And the next thing you know, he says, oh, it's 2 o'clock. Go home. So I got in my car, and I drove home. And uh, my car was drinking a lot of oil at the time. And, and, uh, but anyway, I made it home. And uh, I, um, next morning, he calls me. He calls me pretty early. He calls me like, you know, 7 o'clock, something like that, 6 maybe. I don't know. And he says, come in. And he had an auctioneer place. And he had me come in there, and he sat there, and he talked to me until about noon. And about noon, two guys from the group show up, and they take me out to eat. And after that, they talked to me about AA and about how wonderful AA was and about how great AA was and blah, blah, blah. You know, and the next thing you know, two more guys show up. And uh, we go to supper, and then we go to the meeting. And the next thing you know, Johnny says, okay, it's time for you to come to my house. So I go to his house. They had, I was really shaking and rattling and rolling, and they fixed me up this concoction of some syrup, some orange juice, a handful of vitamins. We don't know what they are that's been lost. And, and, uh, and uh, they put it in a blender and say, drink this. It'll make you feel better. And, and I tell you what, I, I got to where I'd drink it, but it, it didn't make me feel better, but it tasted so damn bad. I said, yeah, I feel a lot better now. Thank you very much. <laughs> We, uh, we, uh, I, you know, I, I started going to those meetings, and, and uh, I, I kind of I liked Alcoholics Anonymous right off the bat. I, I didn't know what the heck he was talking about, though. You know, you guys would sit there and 
you know, AA has its own language. You know, we do. We got our own language. After you're here for a while, you kind of forget it. But, you know, sobriety. Sobriety means, for me, sobriety means not drinking the rest of my life but wanting to. You know, that's what sobriety means. And I know you're talking about that stuff. And I was very disappointed opening up that refrigerator. There's no booze in there. It didn't take me very long to figure out that you guys meant about, you was talking about quitting. <laughs> you wasn't talking about slowing down or controlling. You said, quit. And they'd say things like, you know how you quit? How do you quit? I mean, I don't know how you quit. I drank every day as much as I could. I didn't always get drunk, but I drank every chance I got. And they said, you know how you quit, kid? And I said, no. And they said, quit. And it's like I always wanted a deep, deep answer, you know. You know, the nice thing about Alcoholics Anonymous, it's really, really simple. It's, it's not, it, you don't have to be a rocket science scientist to get this thing. It's so simple, it goes over a lot of our heads. There's a lot of people in AA that like to make it just as difficult as possible. That way you can't get it. <laughs> it's like, Quit. Don't drink in between meetings. If you feel like you've got to drink, pick up the phone and call somebody before you drink. Can you do that? And I, I didn't think so. I didn't think I could do it. And they said, yeah, you can. You can do it. And I'll tell you what you're going to do. He says, if you have to, do it one minute at a time, do it one second at a time, but do not drink. And if you feel like you have to drink, come see us, give me a call, do something. And so you know what? From that day until today, I haven't had a drink. And it doesn't mean, this is, the only thing I did is I quit. I didn't mean to quit. I only come in here to get the heat off my, and here I am, I'm still here. I, wasn't, I did not plan on being here this long. I really didn't. I was just going to come in here. Well, if you're a newcomer and you are afraid that you're not here for the right reasons, <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I came here. My, my attorney, we was, Cindy and I was having this little problem. And I was getting this divorce. And my attorney says, John, with your track record, there is no way that the judge is going to let you have them children. Now, up until that point, I didn't hardly even know I had children. <laughs> I don't know if you're alcoholics like this, but this is the way this alcoholic is. If you tell me I can't have something, even if it's something that I don't even know I have, and I can't have it, I'm going to do everything I can do to keep it. Even though I don't care, just so you know. So I come up with this plan. This is about, this is one of those newcomer plans. I come up with this plan in about 45 seconds. And the plan is, I'm going to go to Alcoholics Anonymous for a year, maybe a year and a couple of months. And she's got that job at the bank. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down to my friend George and I'm going to buy a bunch of drugs and I'm going to put them in her purse and whenever, the, whenever I call the police to tell them about the drug deal going down at the bank, I says, you know, her name is Cindy Scott. And uh, they're going to throw her in jail, and I'm going to get the kids. And then I can drink again. You know, so if you're new and you don't come here with pure ideas, that's, that's my pure idea. That's one of my crazy. I mean, I had a mind of a newcomer. Remember when you was new? It's like, choom, choom. You know, it's like, God, I hope she leaves. You know, man, what happens if she leaves? Nah, man, my life won't be good. I, I bet she better stay. Man, she's got to stay. 
You know, it's like total fear, constant fear. You know, man, I hope they fire me. You know, it's, screw them, I quit. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, you remember how it was? You're just like, oh, no, no, you know. And they're, they're talking about quitting drinking on top of that and no drugs. They got that across to me. Don't be doing no drugs, you know. And I didn't do drugs. I was a pure alcoholic. I want you to know that. I played in a rock and roll band for about four and a half years. Never drank, just did a lot of drugs. I thought, well, how can I be an alcoholic? I hadn't drank for four years, you know. And uh, But then after I got out of the rock and roll business and I got in the, I started to be a cowboy in Montana, and the, you just can't do drugs. So I started drinking, you know. I mean, it's, I, whatever's handy, whatever's handy, I, just so you mess it up. That's all I want. My my secret weapon, just feed me, feed me. So I'm, I'm going out there and I'm drinking now for about, I don't know, seven years. I haven't done no drugs, so I'm a pure alcoholic. I look down on them guys coming in. I'm a drug addict. You sorry. Why can't you be a good alcoholic? You know how we are. Alcoholics are the people who are laying in the gutter looking down on somebody. You know, and that was me. <laughs> I couldn't relate to any of this stuff when I was new. You know how? Do you remember when you was new and you thought you knew what they was talking about? But they, it's like they they they'd say things that just didn't make sense, but you understood the words, but you didn't understand what they meant. And it's like you're here for like six, eight months, and finally one day somebody says a magic phrase, and you go, "Whoa!" I know what that means. <laughs> you know, lack of power is your dilemma. I know what that means, you know. And then you're here a year and a half later, and it's like you get these little... We used to have a guy in our group called Gerald. He was a hillbilly. He, oh, I'll tell you about Gerald in a minute. But Gerald Gerald is a guy who had these goofy ideas, and he'd sit there, and he'd come up with that kind of stuff, and we'd call him Gerald Ahaz. You know, somebody go, wow! You know, there's a Gerald Aha. You know, and <laughs> Gerald was this guy... I, I had... You know, after I got into Alcoholics Anonymous for a short period of time and figured out that I needed to stay sober for a year and about three, three or four months, uh, I, uh, I developed this bad attitude. Now, I want you to know, there's a lot of people that come in, in Alcoholics Anonymous that totally surrender people. And, I mean, it's just whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it, and it doesn't matter because I know that you guys are trying to help. That wasn't my attitude. My attitude was, you guys are trying to con me into doing things that nobody in this world in their right mind would even start to think about doing. And so I, I had developed an attitude. And it wasn't an attitude of gratitude. It was an attitude of screw you, you know. But I'm sober. And because I, I would go to a waitress in a restaurant and I would treat her really, really poorly because I had been a victim of waitresses. You know, I would go in there and I'd ask for my steak to be medium rare and it'd come back rare. And I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna stand for that no more now that I'm sober. Now, I, I developed that kind of attitude. I know that nobody else in here would have that attitude, but, but I had this attitude. I was so righteous because I had quit so drinking that I tell you what, you didn't dare smoke around me because I'd have caught on fire, you know. And, and so anyway, I, I find myself going to these meetings, and these old-timers just didn't, they just didn't understand. They really didn't. They, there's this guy named Nick. Now, Nick was an old boy in there, and he had been around forever. And Nick, Nick's deal was that, if you hadn't been there six months, there was no need in the world for him to remember your name because you're just a visitor, you know. This guy named Rotten Ralph. Rotten Ralph was an attorney, and Rotten Ralph, would, uh, he would always pick on the new guy. And, and he'd uh, it'd say, uh, after he got through, he'd say, uh, now, if I really pissed anybody off, he says, I have a dollar here, and let me be the first to buy you a drink. Now, I know there ain't no way to treat a newcomer, you know. And then there was a guy named Gerald, and, and Gerald, I asked Gerald, or Gerald had asked me how I was doing, and I'd say, uh, 
well, Gerald, I hate you, hate God, hate AA, but I'm still here and I'm sober. You know, and he says, now nah, we're going to quit that. He says, we're not going to do that no more. He says, from now on, when I ask you how you're doing, he says, you're going to say, well, Gerald, I'm getting better in every way every day. Thank you very much. And I'm going, fine, fine, we'll try that, you know. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, by, by this time, my... By this time, my first sponsor had already gone out and got drunk, and he taught me a really good lesson. Uh, he had, uh, about 45 days into sobriety, he'd gone out and got drunk because he had gotten to where he was fighting the group, and he was mad at the group, and he was mad at the people in the group, and they were all doing it wrong. He'd been sober for about seven years, and, and he, got to, he got really kind of twisted off. He, he would call me in the middle of the night and say, John, you need to get in here. There's people in my closet. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going, okay. And I'd hang up the phone and I'd call one of the other guys that he sponsored. I said, have you talked to John tonight? And he'd say, yeah. And I says, well, uh, what did he say? He says, there's people in his closet. I says, are you going over? And he said, no. And I said, I'm not either. And we'd hang up the phone. <laughs> then he calls back, who you been talking to? <laughs> and uh, anyway, he'd gone out and gotten drunk. And, and uh, but boy, I was, I was kind of. In a way, I mean, I didn't even know the guy hardly at all, and I, in a way, I was kind of excited because I was going to pick my own sponsor now, and there's this little blonde, and I've been watching her. She, she had what I wanted, that's what you said. And, and, and I can remember I was walking across the room there, and I was going to go ask her to be my sponsor, and, and this Richard, this Frank sponsor, I don't know, but Richard, a three-piece suit, wingtip shoes, you could see your reflection in them. I mean, everything was perfect. He thought that you had to really dress up to come to an AA meeting. And he come in there and he says, oh, John, he says, come here for a second. And I walked over there and he says, uh, your sponsor went out and he's gone now. And I said, oh, yeah, I know. And, and he says, well, he says, I'm going to be your sponsor now. I said, well, Richard, I'm not sure if I want you to be my sponsor. Oh, he says, I didn't ask you. He says, <laughs> he, says, I didn't, he says, I didn't ask you whether or not. He says, I'm going to be your sponsor because I know what you need. He always knew what I needed, you know. He sold me this diesel car because mine was leaking all that oil, you know, and it was just to, just, you know, just convince me. He could always just convince me that whatever it was that he knew that I needed, that that's what I needed. So he sold me this car. And uh, I can remember, uh, you know, thinking, you know, this is, this is not working. I, I mean, I, I would go to those meetings and people would act like they was happy. I was not happy. My life was crap. Mostly it's her fault. And, and I would... I would just, it just drive me crazy because this rotten Ralph would be getting people crazy and offering them a dollar and, and Nick wouldn't remember. Nick would, Frank and I was getting, both of us getting a divorce at the time and Frank comes along and says, oh man, he says, my wife is blah, blah, blah. and I'm going, yeah, you know, and we're talking about it and here comes Nick behind us, well, pour me, pour me, pour me another drink, you know. <laughs> you know, these guys had no compassion, you know. And so one night I'm thinking, you know, that Nick, I'm going to get that Nick. I don't know if any of you guys ever did this, but you're going to get the old guy. I'm going to get this Nick because he, this ain't right. He needs to remember my name, and he's going to remember my name after tonight by God. I, so anyway, I got him over there, and I started telling my sad story about how bad my wife was <coughs> in my life. And, and uh, I, uh, I remember sitting there talking about it and tears rolling down my eyes. And, and this is after the meeting. There's about eight or nine people, or maybe ten people around the room. And he jumps up, and he says, So you're an alcoholic! Now what the hell are you going to do about it? And he starts walking off. And I, it's like, I can't stand that stuff. You know, I can't. Here I am pouring my heart out to this guy, and he's treating me poorly, you know. 
And so I get up and I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And he's a crippled old man and he beats me to the door. And he pushes me up against the wall and he says, All right, John. He says, I'm going to tell you something. You're wasting my time. You're wasting their time. And you're sure, you're damn sure wasting your time. He says, Why don't you just get the hell out of here? Why don't you just go get drunk? Because that's what you're trying to do. And about that time, Rotten Ralph come right over his shoulder. Here, let me buy your first drink. Let me buy your first drink. <laughs> You know, and I'm just, I'm just going, I can't stand it anymore. And I get, I just run out the door. I get in my diesel car that my sponsor sold me. And I turn it on. And I'm going to peel gravel. We're in a gravel parking lot. And, and thank God I had to drive home 30 miles or so because I'm driving along. I'm beating on the dash. I'm, son of a, you know, just going crazy, you know. And it's like, finally, when I, thank goodness I had so far to go because when I got about three quarters of the way down the road, it's like a, it's just like a spiritual awakening or something. I don't know. It's like, all of a sudden it's like, John, you are an alcoholic. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You know? And there was something that I knew, even though them guys were doing this stuff, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that those guys were really trying to help me. For some reason, I knew that. And, and, they, and they were. They would have done anything for me, but I was too doggone smart to listen to anybody. I knew. I had the secret weapon. I know this stuff, you know. It's hard when you know it all to learn anything. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, you know, I just, I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to go back to those guys because, but I, this is the only game that I knew of in town. I mean, I've tried the counseling stuff. I've been, I've been sprinkled, dunked, run through the sheet, shoot. I mean, I have had laid hands on me, talked in tongues. All it right, did is make me thirsty, you know. I've been... <laughs> I've been, I've been to the vet. He says, man, he says, if you do any more drinking, you're going to fall plumb apart. I'm going to get a second opinion. That's what I'm going to do. Never got around to it, though, you know. You just don't want to rush into anything that might help. So I can remember just, I can remember just, you know, going along and finally it's like, this is it. If I don't, if I don't allow these people in my life, I, I really don't think I'm going to make it. Because I really didn't think I was going to make it. And I, and I, I can remember the next day going back into town. God, here I go again. You know, yeah, yeah. Nick and Ralph and oh, Richard. You know, I don't even want him to be my sponsor. And then, I, then I, Gerald. God, Gerald. Hi, Gerald. Hi, John. How you doing today, John? Well, Gerald, I'm getting better in every way, every day. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know. But it hit me. I was. I was. And from that, little by little, I started to listen to some things. Richard told me, he showed me in the book, the Doctor's Opinion about Alcoholism, about how we have an allergy coupled with a mental obsession. Okay? I have, I understand allergy a little bit. I have a problem with apples, bananas, cherries, avocados. I eat them, my face swells up, my chest swells shut, and I can't breathe. You know, I understand an allergic reaction to a foreign substance in my body. When they talked about me having an allergic reaction to alcohol, I didn't really get it. I didn't understand it. I, I guess the best way that I can describe it is it just tastes like more. It makes me, somebody, you talked about it, it just makes you thirsty. That's all. You just get thirsty. It's like you start drinking. It's like you're almost always almost there, you know. And it's, it's really close, but it's not quite here yet, so I'll have another, you know. Uh, old joke, but it's really true, it makes me break out in spots, you know, like Denver, Dallas, you know, that kind of stuff. 
you know, the truth of the matter is something happens to me when I drink alcohol. I, I just want more. That's all. But there's a big difference between my problem with apples and alcohol. You see, with apples, my doctor said, I bet the newest person knows, he said, don't do it no more. And, you know, I haven't had no big, I, you know, it's been a long, long time since I've had an apple. It's been a long time. You know, I just didn't do it no more. I didn't have to go to AA, Apples Anonymous. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have to go to treatment. I didn't have to go to Europe to really study my problem. I just quit eating apples. I quit, you know. I quit. You know, but today, to, today, if I was to go to the, down here to the restaurant and I was to grab a bite of, eat an apple, even though I know that I can't eat apples, even if I'd have gone to AA, even if I'd have gone to treatment, even if I'd have studied in Europe, that knowledge is absolutely worthless. I have absolutely no power over the reaction that my body's going to give me when I eat that apple. My face is still going to swell up, my chest is still going to swell up, and I'm not going to be able to breathe. It doesn't matter how much I know. And that's the way Alcoholics Anonymous is. It doesn't matter what you know, it matters what you do. It's a totally different thing. Knowledge is not going to help you much. It'll kind of get you headed in the right direction, but unless you're willing to work with others, work the steps, show up and be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, sit in your chair, you haven't got a prayer. You haven't got a prayer. Because one of these days, the differences between apples and banana, or apples and alcohol is one of these days my mind's going to, my secret weapon's going to take me over and I'm going to say, you know, because of who and what I am and what I know, I think today, I think today will truly be different. I think today I can have a drink of alcohol and it's not going to hurt me. And the truth of the matter is, is that's a lie. If you have a mind like mine, it says it in the book. My problem is centered right here. My problem is centered in my mind. I don't have that problem with apples. I don't have that. I have never to this day had a miserable damn day driving down the road. And I, you know, I'm going to pull in this. I'm going to go into this grocery store. I'm going to buy me 12 apples. I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to bring them back in the car. I'm going to eat one on the way home. I'm going to put two in the trunk so she can't find them. One in the glove compartment. <laughs> has never crossed my mind. See, that, that mental twist is not there with those. I have never sat in a restaurant looking. Oh, man, you look over there and you see them. You know, we've all seen them. They're over there. They're having fruit salad. And I can't have any fruit salad. Why me, God? Why me? It doesn't work like that, but, but, but you put wine over there, every one of us has done this. You see those people, oh, man, they have wine. Why can't I have wine? Well, first off, if I was drinking, I wouldn't choose wine. <laughs> but don't get me wrong. I don't want you to think that I'm a prude or anything. I'll drink anything you put in front of me, but I, I would prefer whiskey two at a time and keep them coming. And, and I, I just, uh, I just uh, you know, finally Richard got that through to me, you know, that I'm in the grips of a progressive illness. I have a mental obsession coupled with a physical allergy, and uh, my mind is out to kill me. My mind is out to kill me. Left up to my own devices, if I don't... The reason that people like you and I have to keep coming to meetings on a real regular basis is because our brain leaks. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, you know, so you talk to a new guy, and you see the pain and the suffering, and it's like, oh, man, thank God. Thank God that ain't me. Thank God that ain't me. 
and, and, and you give me four or five days away from that, and I forget who I am. I forget what I am. I forget that I have a disease. It is subtle. It is subtle. It is cunning, baffling, powerful, and it is very patient. It waits. It, it's like water going through rock. It, it seeks the path of least resistance. Whatever it is that you refuse to do may be the very thing that's going to kill you. And I can remember my sponsor, Richard, used to saying, John, this is a matter of life and death. And I can remember looking at him and saying, man, you have been here too long. You are one sick puppy. And i got to tell you, and as well as everybody who's been here more than about five years knows that this is a matter of life and death. And I hope you can stay here. If you're new here tonight or today and you feel like you're not part of, it's probably because you're not a part of. Get in the middle. Get yourself a sponsor. Get yourself a sponsor who works out of the book. Get yourself a sponsor who understands the plan, program of action of Alcoholics Anonymous. Don't get a sponsor who's got a bright new idea about how things should be changed around here. Because this thing is not needing change. It works very, very well. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, but I'm a new guy about uh, six months, and I can, man, I can see where you're doing it wrong, you know. And, you know. you got to remember, the new guy that you're listening to is probably like this guy here. You know, I've already told you how good I think, you know. I have these plans, I have these designs, and I, I have a lot of failure if I listen to them. You know, it's, the truth of the matter is, is Alcoholics Anonymous works, and it works very, very well. All I have to do is do it. That means that I have to give up on having my way on everything. And the amazing thing is, is when I do that, I get everything that I ever wanted. And the truth of the matter is, you and I don't usually know what we really want. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You get that car, and that's it. This is it. I get this car. I'm going to be happy. And how many of us have gotten that car? And about 45 seconds later, it's like, oh, man, look at that car. You know, <laughs> our, our new wife, try that on for size. Or a new husband, you know. Our new sponsor, try that on for size. You know, so, you know, the, the truth of the matter is we don't know what we want. If we can just relax a little bit and breathe in and out and just sit in our chairs and try to help other people, all of a sudden it just flows. It just flows. Um. Like I was telling you, Cindy and I was having a little problem. We hated each other. And uh, <laughs> Richard comes up to me and says, Johnny, he says, how are you doing? And I said, uh, you know, you, you know, he knows. He knows. They know. They always, I, there's rats in my bunch, you know. And Frank is telling him. I know he is telling him. So I, you got to tell him the truth. I said, well, we're getting a divorce. He says, what, 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 what was that again? I said, well, I'm getting a divorce. He says, no, let me get this right. You're getting a divorce? And I says, yeah, I'm getting a divorce. Living with a crazy woman. <laughs> well, she was a crazy woman. I mean, one day she was out there. I had this hangover, and she's out there beating on the side of the wall with a broom because these birds are building these nests in there. She's like, ah, you know. <clears throat> and uh, I've been trying, you know, my, this is a secret weapon thing again, but I had figured out how, you know, how my dilemma in life was mostly her fault, and I had, I, I had I got to the place where I was really suicidal, but one day I had this brainstorm idea that, you know, why me? Why should I have to go? It's her fault. So I just, I just kind of decided, you know, probably what I need to do is I need to wipe her out and then I'll kill myself, you know. That's kind of justice, it felt like. And, and I can remember going, uh, going outside and I can remember she was banging on that wall and I slipped up behind her with this double barrel shotgun and I just laid him right on her. And she turns around. And this is what I had to deal with, people. She turns around and she goes... Well, you're going to shoot or you're going to get the hell out of the way. (laughs) 
I'll just... <laughs> so I told him about that, and he says, hell yeah, she's crazy. She's got to be out of her stinking mind. Anybody live with you for 14 years got to be plumb insane. He says, that's a given. That's a given. And he says, uh, he says we're going to, he says, we're going to, first off, you're going to quit getting a divorce. I said, what the hell are you talking about? She's crazy. She's insane. She don't love me. I don't love her. We hate each other. He says, I don't care about that. You don't know none of that stuff. I said, what do you mean I don't know none of that stuff? He says, you don't know whether you love her or not. You're crazy. And I said, well, man, you know, he's, he, he, said, he just had this way to talk to me. He talked, it wasn't like he talked down to me, but he talked down to me, you know. He's like, and, and I can remember, geez, you know, he says, I'll tell you what you're going to do. He says, you're going to go home. And he says, she's there. You're going to practice with her. He says, hell, you might have a good relationship one of these days with somebody else, but we're going to learn how to do it here, okay? He says, you're going to go home and you're going to tell your lover. Here's it is, honest, rigorous honesty program, and he's making me live. First couple of days out the bed. He says, you're going to tell your lover. He says, but a guy like you, you're a liar. He says, so you're going to have to show her that you love her. And I, I'm kind of perking up a little bit about because it had been a while. And he says, no, no, no. He says, we're not talking about that. He says, what, he says, what we're talking about is you're going to go home and you're going to clean up your underwear. You're going to pick it up off the floor. He says, you're going to fix supper every once in a while. He says, you're going to clean up the house. He says, you're going to treat her like she's something special. I ain't going to do that. I don't care. I'm not going to. He says, he says, wait a minute, John. He says, I'm going to tell you something. He says, if you do this, if you do this, he says, I'm going to give you a carrot. That is, it will drive her crazy. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. <laughs> so I went home that first night, and I tried it, and nothing worked. And I says, well, Richard, it didn't work. He says, wait a minute, i got to tell you something. You guys got really sick really fast. It's going to take a while to get over it. You know, so I, I can... Uh, I can remember, I can remember saying, man, you know, she just, is just driving me crazy. You know, now I'm going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Just a few months ago, she's yelling at me being an alcoholic. Now I'm going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and she's saying, well, you wasn't that bad. You're not as bad as they are. You don't need to go to meetings like they do. And so I came to Richard and I told him about this. He said, John, I'm going to tell you something. He says, you lived with her for 13 years and you drank that whole period of time. And he says, you had a sedative. She didn't have nothing. She did her whole trip sober. He says, I'm going to tell you something. She is sicker than you are, but don't you tell her. I jumped in that car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cindy, guess what Richard said? <laughs> <laughs> but really, the truth of the matter is, little by little, our relationship turned. And we started... We, you know, we started to enjoy each other. We started to try to have a, a better life. And, and, and Richard, who was living in Montana at the time because he was mad at his wife who lived in California, started to follow some of his own advice. And so he went back, and they got together, and, and, uh, and uh, several years later he came back up to Montana with her, and they were getting along pretty good. So, you know... That's kind of the story of Alcoholics Anonymous, it seems like. If you've got a sponsor who's having troubles, that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't help you because my sponsor's relationship with his life and his wife was zero. And because he was working with me, it helped him. And I have seen that in my life time after time after time. I can have a problem, and I'll sit there, and I'll talk to somebody about how it should be for them, and the next thing you know, I'm thinking, dang, 
I'm going to have to do this. <laughs> you know? I mean, isn't that the way it works? It's like, geez. And that's, that's one of the great gifts that we have here. If we suit up and show up and sit in our chairs, that somebody's going to come by and ask us something. Then we can tell them what we should be doing. <laughs> a few years go by and, and uh, oh, I have a little problem with money. I don't know if anybody else has a little problem with money. But I, you know, my, the way, my probably, next to sex, I suppose, my biggest problem is probably money. You know, that's the only two things we ever thought about was sex or money. I mean, really. And all you got to do to get my attention is just tap my pocketbook. You don't have to touch it. You just tap it. You know, and I think you're getting my money. I get real nervous. Well, God has a sense of humor, I think. And after I was sober for about two and a half years, I ended up buying this ranch. And, uh, well, what happened was my banker friend and I, uh, before I quit drinking, one day one of my friends and I was looking to buy some hay. And, we'd drive, and the way you'd buy hay, other people buy hay differently, but the way I was buying hay, me and this other friend, we'd get a half gallon, and we'd start driving around the country looking at hay. Never called anybody, just looking at hay. And we'd been driving around looking at hay all day long, talking about buying hay, and finally that afternoon we went to the Northern Hotel, which is one of the fancier places in town. And it's where most of the people from agriculture hang out. And so uh, I was, uh, you know, we were sitting there having a drink, me and this other guy, and across the room, hey, he says, there's our new banker. I had never met the guy before, not ever. And uh, I says, yeah. I said, well, let's send him a drink. So we sent him a drink. He doesn't look at us. He doesn't wave. He doesn't, and man, I, you know how that, I got to thinking, you know, I'm going to have to quit. I'm going to have to quit my job. I'm going to have to, going to have to, do something different because obviously my banker's not going to finance me now. You can tell. You can tell because he didn't say nothing or wave, you know. And and uh, so we sent him another one just to make sure. Damn, sure as heck he ain't waving or nothing, you know. And uh, we just knew that we was going to be foreclosed on any second. And uh, me and this friend of mine, we we're sitting there kind of depressed now. And then he shows up. This banker shows up, and we sit down and we start to visit. Now this banker started talking to me about sheep. Now, there's one thing that I absolutely know nothing about is sheep. But me and him got in this big argument about how we should handle sheep, work sheep, you know, take care of them and all that kind of stuff. And I was right with him. I mean, I'm arguing because he was wrong, and I knew. And, and, and uh, you know, the one thing leads to another, and, and, and uh, this other guy who was with us kept trying to pull me off this banker because it wasn't going well. And, and, uh, and he says, we got to go eat. we got to go eat. And, and I don't remember the rest of that thing. I, you know, it's one of the blackout things, and the next thing you know, it's the next day, and I'm going, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. So I went to the bank, and I apologized to the guy for my poor behavior. That was about it. And so after I've been in AA for about six, eight months, guess who shows up in AA? My banker, you know. And he comes over there, and I says, listen, i got to tell you something. You remember that night that you and I was talking about sheep? I said, I don't know a thing about sheep, and I apologize to you profusely, but I don't know nothing about sheep. And I didn't tell you that when I made my other amends. He says, Johnny says, I've got to tell you something. I don't know nothing about sheep either. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's the way we work. He says, and I, and I said, I kind of blacked out that night, and I don't remember what happened. He says, oh, I'll tell you what happened. He says, we started going to that restaurant to get something to eat, and you got tired, and you just passed out and went to sleep in my lap. <laughs> So that's how you influence a banker. But anyway, a little bit later, I must have done pretty good because by the time I was two and a half years sober, we, just, we got enough chips together to buy this farm. 
And almost immediately, I went upside down. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, for the next three years, I'm right on the verge of bankruptcy. I just lay there, just right on the edge. The bank wouldn't even let me in the bank building. They sent me over to what we called the dire pen. And that's where all the people who were really losers had to sit. You know? And so here I am, my third, year of, my third to fourth year of Alcoholics Anonymous. Number one is I am broke. I am on the verge of bankruptcy. Number two, my wife and I are getting along about as good now as we was when I was drinking, so that ain't working. You know, number three is I pretty well quit going to Alcoholics Anonymous because I have to take care of my business. It's going down as fast as it can, you know. And I finally got to the place where I was starting to get suicidal again. I was worth more dead than I was alive. And so out of desperation again, by this time my sponsor Richard had gone to California. And I, I uh, can remember asking, uh, asking an older member of Alcoholics Anonymous what I should do because I hadn't been going to meetings much. He says, he asked me some questions. He says, how many meetings a week are you going to? And I told him, I says, I was going to about one, maybe two. And uh, I lied to him. I bet I wasn't even making that much. He says, how many people are you sponsoring? And I, I lied to him. I said, two, but it was really one. You know? And, and I, uh, uh, I remember him saying, I want you to start sponsoring people. He says, I want you to start going and actively pursuing people. Become a hunter and find people who need some kind of help and work with them. He says, you don't even have to sponsor them. Work with them. Just get involved with their lives. And, and he says, I want you to start going to 13, 14 meetings a week. I said, my God, 14. I got a business to run. He says, oh, how's it going? He says, it's going, I says, it's going terrible. You know, he says, who's running it? I said, I am. <laughs> uh, a lot of guys I sponsor are starting to go bald up here. But, so, so anyway, you know, it's just those little things like that, you know, those little common sense things. Like, so I started going to meetings a lot, and it's a good thing I did because me going to meetings later set me up in a position mentally where I could come out of that thing and, and, uh, and done real well. So I'm going along. We got the new group started. Cindy and I, and this, uh, uh, you know, Cindy started an alumni group, and, and me and a bunch of guys I sponsored started an AA group, and we started really trying to do the deal. I got in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous. By this time, I'd gotten me a new sponsor. Richard caught cancer, lung cancer, and died. And, and I got a new sponsor. His name was Jim Shaw. And uh, I had him for about eight years, I guess. And we started this group, and things were going good. Things were really, really working. Uh, sponsoring a lot of people, going to a lot of conferences, doing as much as I could in Alcoholics Anonymous because what had happened, because I was going to Alcoholics Anonymous, Cindy and I relationships started to turn again, and this time it's been the same. As, I mean, it's gotten better all along. Uh, we give up on having it our way, or at least I did. It's, it's amazing what happens in my relationship with my wife when I quit putting demands on her. It's just amazing. She, life turns out good, you know. When I quit worrying about what I ain't getting, I start getting everything I want. It's just an amazing deal how that works. Uh, I, I find myself, uh, uh, you know, doing pretty well. And I think, you know, I've got it. You get to thinking you get it, you know. It's amazing how we work that way, you know. It's like we start taking for granted who and what we are after we've been here for a while. And I can remember, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was still active and I was still doing a lot of stuff. And I, this is kind of an indication of how my mind works, I guess. My, my sister, Maggie, had this store and she was, a, uh, she was in bankruptcy. And... I offered to help. Now, the store's going down about like that, and about the time I got hold of it, it went like that, you know. 
And so I wasn't doing much good with her store. She was very depressed. She got to where she couldn't even work. She was clinically depressed. She wasn't like us. I mean, we get depressed just thinking about it. You know, but she was really depressed. And we ended up, uh, uh, one morning I called her early and I says, Maggie, i tell you what, if you want, I'd like to take you out to lunch today. And she says, oh, man, I'd love that. That'd be good. And I was sponsoring this guy that had a lot of money at the time, you know. And his, his idea of spending the winters where he'd go down to South America and he'd spend the winters down there. And he'd been sober for about 10 years, and he got drunk for about five years, and now he's been sober for about 10 minutes. And, and I'm sponsoring the guy, and, and he calls me up that morning to fire me because he said that I was a radical, that I was an A Nazi, that I was doing too much, and he didn't need it. And, uh, you know, and he, he was a really educated, smart guy, and he started explaining to me all the reasons that he didn't need it. And I'm going, yeah. Yeah, I was only 11 years sober at the time, you know. I'm going, man, this guy's hitting on all cylinders. He's making sense, you know. And I got to thinking about it. We hung up the phone, and I wished him well, and we hung up the phone, and I got to thinking about it. I thought about that all day. I thought, you know, I'm making a big deal out of this thing. This is not that big of a deal. I said, the truth of the matter is, truth of the matter is, I probably wasn't that bad to begin with, you know. And I can remember just like yesterday, I picked up my sister, and she hadn't laughed or smiled in months. I mean months. And she's in my pickup, and I'm driving down the street, and I told her, I says, Maggie, I've been thinking, and I don't think that I was ever really that bad. I think Cindy and I had a series of, you know, misunderstandings, and we had some screw-ups, but I think the truth of the matter is I wasn't that bad. And she looked at me funny, you know, how they can. And she looked at me, and she says, John, you're kidding. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm serious. She says, you are crazy, aren't you? You don't remember how it was, do you? I said, what are you talking about? She says, for the last four years of your when you was drinking, she says, we just absolutely knew that you was going to commit suicide or you was going to kill somebody any second. She says, for the last four years that you drank, you never drew a sober breath. And she started laughing. She's laughing at me. And she couldn't quit laughing. And she started this stinking laughing. And the next thing you know, she's yelling, top me up at the filling station. She ran in there, you know, comes out laughing, still laughing, you know. <laughs> So, so I just kind of decided, well, I guess I'll just keep going to meetings, <laughs> you know what I mean, you know. And that's, you know, that, so that kind of gives you an indication how well this little kid is, you know. I need you as much today as I ever did. I really do. I, I, I hope that I can stay dumb enough to stay here, okay. I hope that I can stay dumb enough to stay in Alcoholics Anonymous because it's absolutely, you know, the trouble is with us, is, uh, in, and Cindy, it's in my life, is I'm having the time of my life. I am. I've been having a great time for a long time. So has she. And, but our minds take us over, and the next thing you know, they don't like us, not like they used to. They don't, my home group, they just don't, it ain't, quite, it ain't like it used to be. You know, they're acting weird again. They're acting strange. You know, uh, they don't really care whether I'm there. Just all that crap, you know. You just, that's alcoholic thinking. But yet I think that I don't have it anymore. And it says in the book that this thing, this process, is going to take a lifetime. So, you know, a guy like me, I think I'll have to just keep coming back because my brain does truly leak. And, uh, you know, I, I got uh, three kids, and uh, one of them's been in AA now for quite a while and doing really well. I got another one that probably needs Al-Anon, but we'll never, we'll not know for a while. You know, he likes his alky women. He gets these, falls in love with these hockey women, and they just break his heart, and he'll go find another one, you know. And then I got one that graduated here a couple of days ago. He's in France. I hope he don't get thrown in jail over there. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, he's a, he's a, 
he's just a great kid. But you know, it's because of people like you in rooms like this that we put together a group in Alcoholics Anonymous that if my kids want to go to AA, they can get AA, and they're not getting anything else. They get Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, we you know we work out of the book and we try to we try to do the deal. We really work hard at trying to do the deal. Alcoholics Anonymous is, is sacred to me. We were talking about that this morning. You know, without it, I am nothing. Without everything that I have, everything that I am, every relationship that I have today is because of people like you in rooms like this. It is such a blessing. And, and your theme, apps, you know, I can't remember, full heart. <laughs> full and grateful heart. You bet. You bet. You know, and if you don't, if you're new today and you don't feel like it's happening to you, just stick around. Don't leave five minutes before the miracle. And I know that you probably heard that a dozen times, but it's so true. I mean, it's so true. The truth of the matter is we don't know who we are and what we are. I didn't know what I was up against. I was up against a power that was truly greater than myself, and it was called alcoholism. And because of people like you, I've changed that. I have a power now that I work with, and it's called Alcoholics Anonymous and God. Without God in this life, without you in this life, I cannot stay sober. So I really like what I'm getting, so I'm going to keep coming back. Thanks.